0: man i'm hearing severe echo in my headphones so if i sound so if so if i sound like i'm talking kind of weird i mean weirder than usual
1: that's why Uh, i was going to say but i did not what were you going to say well i didn't say it so i'm not going to now god at any rate ladies and gentlemen it's time for the pie factory podcast
0: I got it right on time.
1: <laughs> That's what That's she what, said. <laughs> ah. Curse you. A lot of people generally do that. Yeah, so. that, is, that is very true. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't said welcome in a while, so why don't you do that today?
0: Well, welcome, Jimmy G. Oh, do I have to, wel- oh, I have to welcome them? Welcome not, our, Um our well Welcome, uh, Pie Factory Podcast listeners. This is indeed Pie Factory Podcast episode uh, 122. And uh, coming to you from uh, Pie Factory Headquarters North, this is Sean. And uh,
1: Yeah, and coming from the Pie Factory Logistics Center, which is, I don't know, somewhere in the Chicagoland hinterlands, I guess, is kind of a bizarre way of putting it. This is, uh, you know me, uh, you tolerate me, Jimmy G. And coming from Pie Factory Headquarters, oh wait, I already said that. And yes, you did. Crap. I let you have the rains today. Oh, well, it did rain today, so that was a good idea. Ready? Here comes the rain again, falling yeah. on my head like a memory. Copyright Johnny. <laughs> I think Annie Lennox is one of the finest female vocalists in the 80s and 90s, maybe even ever. Oh, ever. Yeah. Although Aretha Franklin might have something to say about oh, that. Oh, please. Yeah. Yeah, Aretha. I'm a Carol Carol King person myself. Oh gosh, she was good too. She's very good. I feel the earth move. Oh, you know, the
0: fiftieth anniversary of uh, Tapestry is soon. Hmm.
1: oh well, there you go. So how you doing? Are you going to ask me that? (laughs) You already asked, so I have to answer, or else I'd be very. So how are you doing?
0: um painfully thank
1: you for asking
0: uh oh, oh and by by the way the uh, 50th anniversary of tapestry was in uh february um uh, but
1: as they say in chicago february
0: i um went on my bike for a significant ride for the first time
1: Yay. since
0: good lord's i don't know since before but definitely before the pandemic but it's definitely the longest single ride i had since bike the drive in 2019 so uh
1: which i'm gonna try to join you with ooh, this year's nice with, no, we just um, gotta find out when the
0: hell it is because they haven't announced a date yet i'm guessing it's gonna be labor day weekend but that's just a guess from past well, it's experience Labor day
1: labor day because of my job i don't get well most holidays off they always
0: do it on a, on the sunday of memorial oh, day weekend so it's probably gonna be like on a sunday but
1: oh you said labor day
0: well, yeah, but the thing is, they're not doing a Memorial Day weekend this year. Oh, yeah, they it usually, would
1: be too too late to announce it for then. Yeah, they usually do it Memorial Day weekend, but uh,
0: but man, I did I did twenty miles. And nice, man. Are my
1: arms tired?
0: <laughs> I can barely walk. Yeah, I was like dragging my myself up the stairs, mm-hmm. and our building manager was laughing at me. It's like, <laughs> man, just just put an elevator in here, will you?
1: but man yeah i've haven't gotten out on my bike my my work hours are killing me and i've really got to figure something out because i'm like i don't know the the most i've done was like a 10 maybe 12 mile ride a couple of weeks ago and uh i haven't ridden since and like last year yeah, it's it might have been my longest last year as well. I didn't get out much on my bicycle last year even, which I was unemployed for most of the year, so I should have been able to, but it's like every time I tried to go, it's like, Jim, will you do this for me? And I'm like, ugh. Being married with children uh, kind of sucks sometimes. Don't get me wrong. I like most of it, but it has its moments. Oh, sure, suckers. sure.
0: But the thing is, like, I used to ride my bike to work, but now mm-hmm. that I've been working at home for over a year, and it looks like it's going to continue that way for quite a while, if not permanently, which, by the way, I don't mind. I love when 5 o'clock hits and I'm sure. already home.
1: It's just but, it gave you an excuse to get on your bike.
0: Oh, yeah. If I take the uh, the lakefront trail, it would be a nine-mile ride. If I took local roads, it would be a seven-mile ride. Oh, oh, um, there are a couple of major things I have to announce. Oh, about me personally, and... You're s- having a puppy. Oh. Are, are, we already have a puppy. Ah, true. The th- thing that I am excited to announce that is tangentially related to this podcast, I have my Collector Vision Phoenix. Yay! And I can't really do much with it right now, because you kind of need a ColecoVision-compatible controller or a sneeze controller to do most functions, and I don't hey, have hey, hey, either. Hey,
1: hey, we don't want to call it a sneeze, you know, we don't want to get uh, the guys over at the uh, SNES uh, podcast. Well, I am frustrated,
0: I or as uh, No Swear Gamer would say, frustrated. So I, I think I deserve to call it the sneeze out of frustration. Because, man, I have to. I ordered an adapter from Ed Laddin and that hasn't arrived yet. It's on its way. <laughs> uh, so I haven't been able to play it. And last weekend would have been perfect because my wife was away, so I didn't have... Uh, husband husbandal obligations to, to deal with duties. well husbandly duties there you go husbandly duties but uh yeah so i went to underground retrocade instead and uh, oh nice yeah so i and oh i couldn't go to Woodfire pizza because they decided to give their employees a couple of days off so they were closed so, well, that was uh, nice of them
1: it, oh yeah it, it's good to that know that makes you want to give them more business oh
0: of course and it and it makes it and, and I, oh my god, that's among the best pizza I ever had in my life. Good, that Lord. was really
1: good pizza, and
0: it did make me feel good that they're obviously in a position where they can shut down for a few days mm-hmm. and
1: give everybody give everybody a a break.
0: But Un- um,
1: unless there's an ulterior motive, dun uh-oh. dun dun. Oh boy, but yeah,
0: nothing really interesting to report because i didn't really do very well actually no no um i got my personal best on frenzy which was around twenty-one thousand nice. ish mm-hmm. i think i need
1: I, to play that more
0: i came across just some kind of like groove that i just found myself mm-hmm. able to maintain and it was like wow holy quad holy jeep it's
1: golly you know after playing frenzy i can't i can't go back to berserk yeah, and, and the thing is, like, the
0: cabinet has both the Berserk board and the Frenzy mm-hmm. board. Mm-hmm. And it, usually when I'm there, it's already set to Frenzy, so I don't switch over to Berserk. And I don't, I, I keep forgetting how, but that's okay, because I would rather play Frenzy.
1: Yeah, me too. I, I don't hate Berserk, but
0: Frenzy no. is just so much better. It's something I never saw before, and I don't think we talked about this. This is almost kind of an addendum, but uh, I don't put the theme here. Let's hold off on that. Cause this is not meant to be that segment, but, oh uh, what's it was the, um, I'm trying to remember which maze it was. I think it was the, uh, the one where if you shoot the machine, the robots stop firing or they, mm-hmm. they stop moving. Mm-hmm. I swear there were two evil autos on that screen. Like when evil auto appeared on the other side of the screen, like normal.
1: I think the further into the game you get, you can get two evil autos at the same time. I think, but yeah, I
0: saw another evil auto like not at the same time, but several seconds later, just jump uh-huh. out
1: of that machine. Oh yeah, and I was like, holy god! I, I did they, not know I think know it can jump that. out of some of those machines. Oh, that is crazy! You know, I wonder if that's on the, the the maze with the huge evil auto.
0: Um, I don't know. I don't. It wasn't that. It wasn't that maze. Oh, but yeah, the huge evil
1: auto. I know that if you like do the. Uh, if you kill Evil Otto in that one, yeah, it's you. It, you might, you might yeah. as well just kiss your butt goodbye. Yeah, there's
0: like an exploit, or you better be right by an exit. Right. And something that I'm trying to do on Frenzy these days is make sure that I score at least 800 points on the first maze. Like oh. shoot out the wall, keep shooting Evil Otto, mm-hmm. just to get myself like a good starting point. Mm-hmm. You know. No, uh, played Sarge for the first time, and that was that was yep. fun. That's uh. I, I really need to spend more time with Sarge. Right, f- colon. Yep, yep. And the other thing that I have to announce, I gave you a little teaser about this. Mm-hmm. As many people might be aware, I am a music buff. Mm-hmm. And as such, I also have a record club. I, I like to buy records. Uh, I don't have mm-hmm. a crap ton of records, but I have a lot. And but You have uh, a
1: ton of crap records.
0: That's something I was about to get to don't have a crap ton of records, but have a ton of crap records. Because here's the thing. I mean, yeah, I I found that collecting my favorite musical group's stuff on vinyl, eventually you're going to get everything that you want. Uh, Here's the law of diminishing return. But at some point, I discovered the part, a section of a record store that most record stores have. Mm Mm-hmm. There's, uh, they call it miscellaneous in some places. Uh, there's uh, one record store I go to where it's just a bunch of question marks in the divider because they don't know mm-hmm. what the hell it is. Uh, there's uh, Lori's Planet of Sound a couple of miles away from me, a quick bike ride to, And they ha- they call it uncategorizable. It's a treasure trove of weird stuff. Just really weird stuff. Like you get the Columbia School of Broadcasting uh, course in radio broadcasting. Mm-hmm. You have uh, things like uh, Little Wally and his, like, adult polkas. (laughs) I've heard of that one. Something that I found just a few days ago. It was uh, right here in my neighborhood, just four blocks away at uh, Rattleback Records. Never. In fact, I just broke the seal right now Mm -hmm. as I was talking it is a record called conquer the video craze. What conquer the video craze, how to beat the hottest games. Oh no. Oh yeah. And the cover of it is, oh, yeah. uh, it's a picture of, uh, some youths, obviously at an arcade. And it's a surprisingly diverse cover too. There are some, uh, there are both boys and girls and, uh, there are some, some white, some black. Mm-hmm. And, um, From left to right, and this is actually the order the um, tracks appear on the record itself. Centipede, Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Man, Donkey Hmm. Kong, Defender, Stargate, and Dig Dug. Interesting. Very. Well, not according to a user of Discogs.com called it 64K, who on June 21st, 2018, commented, and I quote, OMG, this is the most dry and painfully boring summary of these video games and how to beat them. (laughs) I have not listened to this yet. I didn't want to do anything until I shared this with you and our friends out there in the potosphere. The trick is to set up a tube from the top of the screen straight
1: down toward you. The way to build your tube is to look at the high score. The centipede line... Always comes out from just under the fourth digit, reading right to left, or the third digit, reading left to right. Nice.
0: The contents of this sound recording are not authorized by any video game manufacturer or distributor. Oh, the cover photography is by Harry Peck. Harry Pecks. (laughs) From ALA Enterprises in uh, Los Angeles, California. A la. Oh, yeah. Chicken a la king. Mm Mm-hmm. Chicken Alec Don King. The author Curtis Horde is an Atari Champion finalist. Due to his incredible skills, he has been employed by a large game company exclusively to test all the new games in order to establish difficulty settings. There are hmm. few games in the marketplace that Curtis has not mastered. He has extensive experience at playing video games and deciphering their patterns and techniques of play. His analytical mind automatically envisions patterns and virtual line drawings of the games. He currently logs more than 8 hours of play per day, and has been coined by his peers and friends as the human video game. Uh So this sounds exciting. In this game you make tunnels. However,
1: when you are digging a tunnel creatures move twice as fast as you do
0: well i am looking forward to hearing that oh are you ever oh speaking of which uh hearing uh the i did listen to most of that george George wallace Wallace, record you bought for me and i gotta say it's um kind of disappointing i mean i had no regrets i'm glad that uh that you picked it up for me and it's in my collection
1: it's a weird piece of political memorabilia it really is
0: But all it is, for the most part, is just generic campaign songs that you could plug anybody's name into with lyrics about how we got to get behind this candidate. He's going to clean up our country. we got to get behind (laughs) Nick. Pretty much that is the, the... the album, right? They're just those songs. <laughs> just those generic songs. The victory plane is coming to answer freedom's call. Our chief is coming in on the wall is
1: cannonball. I keep thinking about back to the, to the boot camp slash combat school episode. Great job, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments in video game history. <laughs>
0: So what have you been up to there, uh, Jim?
1: Sleeping, eating, and work mostly. Yeah. But I have been uh, playing more World of Warcraft. Ah. I decided to purchase the Shadowlands expansion, and I'm really digging the the story of the Shadowlands. It's kind of like the classic battle between heaven and hell. You got to kind of like, hell is like trying to get over into heaven, or uh, <laughs> it is hell to as, get into heaven. Let me tell you. And uh, so I'm I'm really enjoying that content. Um, I don't really have been playing a whole heck of a lot else. It's been kind of, like, you know, not very gamey lately. I don't uh. know. I haven't been playing a lot of games lately other than World of Warcraft. And I need to change that, but then I get yelled at, and you know how it goes. Yeah. Of course, you don't have kids. You do have a dog, though. I have a dog, yeah. That's kind of what I've been up to. Oh, I got some great news. Uh, yeah, I got... Uh, an early birthday gift. My wife and one of my children bought me two tickets to see uh, Genesis in November. Okay. And I'm can't wait to hear about this uh, great birthday gift you got. uh, I just told you about it. I love Genesis, especially with Phil Collins. And I just found out that uh, the canceled King's X concert from last summer has been rescheduled to next spring, Uh May of 2022. So I'll be excited to see that. And, uh, yeah. That's how things are going with me right now. So hmm. nothing nothing spectacular. Working working slaving every day. Man, there's a lot of music in this episode for some reason. Hmm. So don't wonder why. Hmm. I
0: don't know, but oh you know, something that we did do um terribly long overdue is uh we invested our uh some of our Patreon funds into getting uh like listener statistics like statistics? Yeah, and uh what so, do the
1: statistics say?
0: Well, what do the statistics say? Well,
1: statistics would be a great band name.
0: Statistics. Statistics. Huh. Well, according to the statistics, uh, our previous episode was downloaded 327 times. Ooh. So thank you, you 327 timers.
1: It could have been downloaded 327 times by one person too. It though. could have been,
0: yeah, but it wasn't because you can tell like where they all come from and everything. Oh, neat. Now, this is something interesting that I've found. Obviously, most of our listeners come from the United States, which is not surprising. We're American, and the uh, second highest number of listeners comes from the UK. Also, not surprising because they're mm-hmm. native Anglophones there, just as we are. Third largest listener base is in Belgium. Belgium? Belgium interesting so uh, welcome everybody from belgium Uh, see and and then next down the list have a stella on us next down the list is uh canada so we have more belgian listeners than we have canadian listeners
1: come on you hosers step it up step it up it's eh? interesting and and I found something very it's a well-known fact that canadians don't understand a thing you say unless you say a at the end Hmm. it's true i watched uh sc tv Well,
0: okay, I guess I can uh, understand (laughs) that. Autobiography of a schnook, which uh, people can listen to uh, via schnookpodcast.com, by the way. Right here on this network. Most listeners come from the United States. Second on the statistics there, Belgium. So I Hmm. guess in Belgium, they like listening to podcasts. Interesting. So uh, welcome, uh, Belgian listeners.
1: Have some chocolate. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh man, now I want chocolate.
1: I know nothing about Belgium. My wife mentioned Brussels. pizza
0: a little bit ago. It's like, oh man, I want pizza now. Oh, we I we do eaten? know one
1: other thing about Belgium. They yeah. had a World's Fair there back in the '50s, '60s, and they built a their theme structure was like called the Automaton or something like that, which yeah. is a giant uh, representation of an atom, and hmm. uh, you can go into it, and there's like escalators and elevators all through it, and there's a restaurant at the top. Ooh, that's kind of neat. I want to see that for my for my you know with my own eyes someday. So you want to eat at the top? I want to eat at the top. Yeah, nice. That looks like a cool building. So hmm. every World's Fair has to have a, a theme building. Hmm. The 1982 had the Wig Sphere. Yep, which I've been up that. I have so not. We, we did not eat up there though. I wanted to, but I guess Hardy's Gourmet Food Services uh, just wasn't our cup of tea, cup of tea. Ah, uh. so neat. I like statistics. Well, no, not really, but well. Yeah awkward silence um sure shall we move on do we have any addenda and errata
0: well thank you for asking there skippy boy because we have any addenda and errata uh, yes, first errata th-
1: from the last episode about the theme yes the theme totally let's forgot talk about that that uh, yeah kung fu master and double dragon who were not by activision I, I don't remember if it was both of them or one of them but uh, actually by absolute Entertainment. ah for the uh the Atari seventy eight hundred. However, you can still kinda make it work because Absolute was founded by people from Activision. So Oh, ah,
0: okay. Yeah. So there's still that theme going on. So it's, at least Yeah, there. it's just
1: like kind of a nit well, really not a nitpicky point, but you know, there's still a theme. They're basically fight and go right or well, not really beat em up games that were produced for the seventy eight hundred and twenty six hundred. I think they actually have this, now that I think about it, I think Double Dragon and Kung Fu Master on the seventy eight hundred both have the Activision-style cartridge, because I know that the Absolute games, such as uh, Super Skateboard, did have the one with, like, the little ridges in it so that you can stack them Oh, that's true, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, we also got a uh, feedback from uh, our friend Duke, who says, uh, episode 55... Uh, which he called fun, by the way. I So thank you uh, there, uh, Duke. Wow. Uh, he says he was cringing at how how you, meaning me, state that the tournament settings for Centipede has five lives only. Uh, I did not re-listen to the episode, so I, I really don't remember saying that. If, if I did, yeah, that was dead wrong. <laughs> but yeah, it says uh, he says, uh, reasons being there's no five live settings for Centipede. And even if there were, the game would be damn impossible to score high. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh,
1: episode 55 is the 55th episode, by the way. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Yeah. And we also talked, we talked about Centipede Black Widow, and Black yeah. Widow. I got to play that game a little bit more. I like that game, but I haven't played it in so long. Anyway, continue. No, that, that was pretty much it.
0: So yeah, that's, okay. that's craziness there. Yeah, But yeah, uh, that, that's all the addenda and errata that I had. And, and um, is, that, is that it for this episode?
1: I think that's right. it. We do have a uh, a letter. Oh, do we? Yeah, we do an email. Oh, somebody somebody sent us a letter.
0: F-E-E-D-B-A-C.
1: Feedback, feedback, feedback. Uh, by the way, I want to apologize. I think we got more, but I can't find them. <laughs> so mm. yeah but uh we, we got one from our friend from the retro game club podcast uh, rob shelby oh hey rob and uh so yeah we'll uh, i'll go ahead and take this go ahead hey guys i'm still listening to the top 10 episodes but wanted to send this email out before i forget anything sorry in advance for the long email well you should be no i'm kidding uh i love all the hot dog and soda pop talk Detroit is also a hot dog town. I prefer Detroit dogs, Coney dogs, over Chicago. They're totally different. They really can't be compared. So I don't think it's one against the other, but personal preference. A Coney dog is kind, and this is you know me here speaking, but I, Coney dog is kind of like a chili dog, but the sauce is a little bit different taste. And you could get them uh, up at various places around Chicago. The one I can think of off the top of my head is Dog and Suds, which... the Oh, really? I, I know of two. There's one in Gray's Lake, which every time we go to Great America, I think I've said this before, we always take the seven-mile detour to go over to Gray's Lake to go to the Dog and Suds. And there's one in Richmond, Illinois, which is about another 10 miles west of the one in Gray's Lake. Huh. Those are the only two in Illinois that I know of. I think there's a couple more, but those I know for certain because I've been to both of them. But they do have a coney sauce. In fact, my dad actually owned an ice cream joint one time that sold hot dogs and he concocted a coney recipe just from tasting one at dog and suds uh, if you can believe that so anyway to continue in detroit we also call soft drinks pop it just sounds cooler than soda i guess i get that yeah Mm -hmm. i'm not sure if it was a detroit thing but as a kid did you guys ever make graveyards it's simply mixing all the different pops that you have into one drink it's so like Coke, Mountain Dew, Dr Pepper, etc. All one drink. It never t- it never tasted great, but the end of the, near the end of summer vacation, kids will do anything for entertainment. Yeah. Oh, what did we call that? Where I went to school, we called them suicides. Suicides. I want to think I heard somebody call it a kamikaze one time. Yeah, I've heard that too. Me. But uh, anyway, I guess I should get to video games. Actually, here. Oh, by the way, Detroit. One of my favorite uh, ginger ales, Verner's, out of Detroit.
0: Oh, really? I didn't know they're from Detroit.
1: I th- believe they're from the Detroit area. See,
0: I would really love to go back and visit Detroit sometime. The, the two times I was there was literally just for a night, and then I had to work a football game the next mm-hmm. day, and then straight back home. So I didn't really get a chance to like get any kind of feel for it at all.
1: I've been through Detroit as a kid, and one time in my early adult, I went to... Up to the thumb area of uh, Michigan to meet somebody I'd met uh, <laughs> on America Online, and uh, hmm. we uh, actually went to a mall in the far northern Detroit suburbs. But that's about it for me. Yeah, Detroit. But anyway, I guess I should get to video games. Actually, here, my okay. top ten arcade games are Tron, Star Wars, Cloak and Dagger. Never thought about that one. That's a good game. Tubin, Stun Runner. Oh, that's one we got to put on the list. I don't know if I have it on our list. Millipede, Donkey Kong, Space Harrier. Samurai Showdown 2, that's one I'm not familiar with, and uh, the first Galaxian sequel. He goes on, I'm an arcade cabinet collector. I've owned a few of my favorites. However, I've tried to sell a few because the house we live in now has a smaller basement. In another email, I may go through all those cabinets. But speaking about owning arcade cabinets, I do have some advice for any of your listeners that might be thinking about getting into arcade collecting. All right, everybody, get your pens out. Listen to this. This is important. That was me adding that, not Rob. Okay. Here's what he says. Buying a non-working cabinet for cheap to fix up seems great, and it is great for learning. However, it often ends up being as or more expensive as buying a cabinet in nice working condition. Also, one-up arcade cabinets might scratch this itch for you and probably end up being a lot cheaper. Point number two, no matter what, you'll probably want to replace or recap the power supply and monitor board. Point three, you will meet some great people in this hobby, but you will also meet people that may take advantage of any lack of knowledge you have. Many mm. arcades were used to launder money. feels like some of those people might still be in this scene. Fourth point, the more cabinets you have, the more you'll be fixing them instead of enjoying them. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, I, I, can, I can see that. Point five, I really wouldn't buy an arcade cabinet because it's rare or expensive. I fall into that a few times and it ended up leaving me with an empty feeling and empty wallet. Buy the games you actually love to play and play those games on MAME first to make sure you still enjoy the game. Ooh, that's a great point. Yes. And the final point, this is my opinion, but please don't gut the arcade cabinet and convert it with a multi-cab with an LCD monitor. These are pieces of art and history. Just buy a one-up arcade cab if you want a multi. That's another great point.
0: It is. is. The only thing is, aren't the one-ups kind of small, though?
1: Yeah. What if you want a full size? three-quarter size.
0: I like what uh, what our friend Ke- our friend and uh, Patreon sponsor Keith did with uh, that abandoned uh, crawl machine. It was just the guts, I think. It was just the cabinet when he got it. It didn't have the uh, energy yeah, yeah, I would
1: say if you have a cabinet but it has all the guts taken out of it, then yeah, yeah put a Raspberry Pi or something in there, or, or a PC or something, and just and turn it into a multi cap. But yeah, if it's got all the guts inside of it, I wouldn't do it. No. At any rate, he concludes. Hope to see you guys at Midwest Game Classic this year still planning on going but uh i haven't worked out the details yet and yeah. with the my genesis concert tickets i have to figure out dates and stuff oh yeah anyway, well my, I, wife,
0: my wife wasn't going to be coming with me now she is because uh one of our favorite uh, performing acts is going to be performing that weekend two blocks away from the from the wisconsin center <laughs> oh senior wences yes senior wences yes in oh, wow uh, Topo, does Topo he still do the hand puppet yeah. thing
1: Oh, you, think, you
0: think I would go if he didn't? That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good
1: point. So, at any rate, he concludes, I love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Rob from Detroit. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. It was always nice to hear from our thanks fans. For your, and,
0: thanks for your feedback, your And uh, your uh, if
1: anybody wants to get in touch with us, uh, email is fab 4 itcom or piefactorypodcast at fab 4 itcom mm-hmm. So... Two ways just from email. Uh, he has a response email because we responded to the email. Found out Rob was in Gurnee uh, the same day uh, I was at uh, <laughs> Great America for season oh, wow. opening, which uh, is in the same town. But he was at a wedding. So, yes, yeah, so I was riding roller coasters, which I love. Wow. I, I don't love waiting in line for roller coasters, but I love roller coasters. So, huh. so thanks, Rob.
0: I think that's yeah. it for feedback, isn't it not?
1: Um... Yeah. Okay. yeah, I think that's it.
0: Yeah, I love that we're getting feedback now because we yeah. can use that little jingle that Scattered Frog recorded for us. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: So, what do you say we start talking about a few games?
0: Well, since we're talking about music as it is, why don't we start with Name That Tune? Segway.
1: Just call me Segway Sean. So Name That Tune, it's from Bally Sente. As for the, the show that Name That Tune, the... Video game is based on. The show named that tune originally premiered on the NBC radio network in 1952 and lasted until 1954. CBS aired the first TV version of the show from 1953 to 1959. Uh, The show returned for a short time in 1970, uh, the 1970 version hosted by Richard Hayes. The show returned again in 1974 in syndication, and this version started offering a $100,000 grand prize starting in 1976. When this happened, the show changed its name to the $100,000 Name That Tune. This revival of the show was hosted by Tom Kennedy and ran until 1981. It started airing twice a day in the last season, but uh, later a network daytime version of the show started airing around 1974, but went off of the air in 1975. Okay, well, that wasn't later, but you get my drift. Uh, Another network version started in 1977, but that one lasted only six months. The show came back to syndication again in 1984, hosted by Jim Lang. This was a daily version and introduced a tournament structure to the show. This one lasted only one season. This version was produced by noted American film importer and... Uh, You know, the guy who brought Godzilla and Gamera to the United States, Sandy Frank. Oh, jeez. In 2021, the show came back, hosted by Jane Krakowski, with Randy Jackson as the band leader.
0: Not Randy Jackson from the Jacksons, but Randy Jackson from American Idol.
1: This version is filmed in Australia, even though it has American contestants. You know why, of course?
0: Because they don't have a COVID problem there. I think I was reading an interview or something with Jane Krakowski, and she was talking about how everybody who's on the show has to be quarantined. And so when she landed in Australia, she had to be quarantined, like sequestered in a hotel room for two weeks. And when she got out, she was like just bursting so much with it. She said, if you notice that in the first episode, I have like a crap ton of energy. That's why, because it was my first time out of uh,
1: isolation. <laughs> I have to say the, who wants to be a millionaire dark studio aesthetic? Why? Why? Every game show is like looks and feels the same. I can dig that. And those C
0: minor chords.
1: The game show itself had several rounds. One was Melody Roulette where two wheels are spun, one with dollar amounts, and the other one had a double space. And if a contestant guessed three tunes correctly, they won the round and got to keep the cash they won. Then they had bid a tune. uh, A theme of a song was given, and the contestants bid how many notes they could name the tune in. It started at seven, and it could go all the way down to one. This is the game the show is most well-known for. And um, the the last most well-known part of the game show is the Golden Medley, in which the contestants have 30 seconds to guess seven tunes as played by the band. And that, in a nutshell, is the TV show. Uh,
0: the uh, early 80s incarnation, and name that too, and also had a spinoff show called Face the Music. Yeah, it was uh, another Sandy Frank show. And uh, it was the, they used the same orchestra that they that they had named that tune. The difference was there they, they had a singer who would sometimes sing, and it was the same kind of thing. Uh, you, the first person who could identify the song would buzz in and name it. And uh, the thing about face the music is it was called face the music because when somebody properly identified a song, there would be a little piece of a picture revealed. And it would be, like, somebody's face, and you had to identify, first to identify who that famous person's face was would win the round. So that's what Face of the Music was all about. Now, something that I did notice, though, in the 80s version of Name That Tune, if you were cocky enough, you could actually say, I can name that tune in no notes. I and you just go
1: by the clues. Vaguely remember that, but the one that I watched today, they had a one note. Yeah. And, uh... And the guy just, the person just got it just from the clue.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, the one note, unless, number one, you have perfect pitch, and number two, the band is playing it in the most famous key, the one note's not going to help you. Right. So, yeah. And that's that's something I don't like about the new name that tune, the Jane Krakowski name that tune, hmm. is that you can't go lower than one. One is the minimum. And the other thing that I hate about this, the, this, this version of the show is the audience goes ooh yeah. every time somebody, oh, even if it's yeah.
1: even if it's seven notes, the maximum. It's like come on. Yeah, I hate that kind of thing too. <sighs> but let's get on to the arcade game now. Um, yes, this yes, game I, is I, a two-player simultaneous, and each player has four buttons. I believe they're vertical on the control panel. The reason I say that, say uh, I believe they are, because well, we'll f- talk about that in a moment. And uh, it's basically, it's a multiple choice quiz. Now it has the three rounds that we talked about before the uh, melody roulette bit of tune in the golden medley. Every round has a bonus and you have to, and the longer it takes you in the, in no, actually no, it's not, go- it's not a uh, melody roulette in the arcade game. It's um, tune topics. That's right. F- oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not That's melody right, roulette because yeah. there's no wheel to spin. It's tune topics. There's four tune topics on the screen. The computer will pick one. So what happens is you'll get the topic and then the next couple of songs will will um they'll uh, the, Two the, the band will will play or the machine will play the the tune and uh you have to guess it. And the longer the music plays, the lower the bonus goes. And um there's something very I think unfair about this game that we'll get to in a moment, but uh okay. so just keep in mind the whole bonus situation. Then it has the bid a note where you have to bid However many notes you know, and you get more points for lower bidding. I think they increment by hundred dollars. If you stay at seven, it's a hundred. Go down to six, it's two hundred, and all the way down to one, which is I don't know, seven hundred, a thousand. I don't, I don't remember. And the way you bid is just hit a button, and it'll decrement. You can't go back up because you couldn't do that in the game show. And you just let it sit. There's like a two, three second timer, and you just let that timer run out, and it'll lock your uh, your number of bids in. And this is one feature of the game that I really liked. In the TV show, when they did the bit of tune, the piano player played the first however many notes. They showed, like, the piano keyboard in the lower right-hand corner on an angle. Uh, and this game yeah. does the same thing, and I really thought that was a nice touch.
0: That is a nice touch, but there's one complaint I have about it. Oh? It's not playing the actual notes. Like, if, if no. the finger hits an A, it's not playing an A. We'll get to a reason for that in a little bit. Oh, Okay. I have a feeling I know what the reason is, but
1: I'd rather but you know it better than I uh, do. So so I don't remember how the bonus works on this. I think it has to do with how many tunes you guess correctly on the bit of note. It takes 18,000 points to play the golden medley. And this is a little bit different than the the TV show because you have 15 seconds to guess five songs. And um, you have to choose from three songs. And the fourth button is pass. So you'll have like... uh, I don't know, say, uh, Do It Again, The Girl from Ipanema, and uh, Big Bad Bob's Marching Song, and then the fourth button would be Pass. If you hit Pass, you'll still have to guess that, but you can hold that off and, go, and hopefully get through all the songs that you do know. And then after that, the game's over after you pass the Golden Medley, and uh, you, whatever point you have at the end. This is not a long game at all. Uh, at least yeah. with Trivial Pursuit... You could play for a while and get bigger scores and just answer questions or whatever. This is not like that at all. And um, it's one of the things I don't like about the game, but uh, let's go on to some trivia before we get on to some of the the other stuff about the game, like my opinions and stuff. But they were supposed to actually put out uh, new song ROMs for the game to keep the content fresh, but uh, this game was a huge flop, so nobody knows if they were actually ever released. I know you can
0: get an additional version
1: on MAME. There is a second version on main, but I'm not sure if it's different songs or not. Ah. And there is a way to check that, which actually, again, we'll get to in a moment. This <laughs> game was programmed by Owen Rubin, who also created Battle Zone. Oh, he did Space something Duel, for Atari Battlezone, yes. Space Duel, Gravitar, and Major Havoc. And um, there is a cheat in the dip switch settings, which will reveal the correct song name, which. The huh. uh, the version of MAME I have just shows most of the dip switches as, like, unknown. But if you go into the manual, which I saw online at uh, game-history.net, I think it is, they'll tell you what the dip switches do there. They got the manual on it. And here is probably why the... Here's the reason why they probably don't do the, you know, the actual notes on the keyboard section. There's no self-test option in the game due to the large amount of data required for the music. And that's why the game is kind of... Uh, Kind of sparse-looking, uh, actually, hmm. because they need all the memory and space for the songs and the data. And while we're going on that, the graphics in this game are inconsequential. They're okay for what they have to do. Yeah. They can't ask for really anything more. Uh, it would have been nice if they had room for the... Uh, what was the first round? The uh, melody roulette, you know, with the wheels. But you know what? I'll give, them, I'll give them props for what they did. However, let's talk about the sound, shall we? <laughs> This game, the actual sound chip on the Bailey Sinti games, actually, I think it's a pretty good sound chip from the few games I've played from Bailey Sinti. I've played Snake Pit, Trivia Pursuit, and this one. The chip itself is fine, but the game, the music in the game was iffy at best with uh, with hmm. the way it was programmed. Uh, some songs, there was one, they were playing the song that I could not guess it at all, and it turns out, It was a Steely Dan song that I know and love. I think it was Do It Again. (laughs) I couldn't guess it because the music was just so bad. And another thing, this game, one of the reasons they think it was flop, uh, I've heard, uh, I saw this on a couple of different websites, is because most of the music is from like the 50s, 60s, and arcade scene was people in their teens and 20s who would not have been in that era, who might not know all of the music and uh, one website suggested this probably would have been better as a bar top game oh i totally agree with that yeah this is the sort of game you would want in a bar not in an arcade location and uh, it would have been nice if they could have done like maybe a modern one with like new wave hits and stuff like that but there's no way they would have gotten the rights to do that mm. it was hard enough getting the ra- it well probably not hard enough but it was probably more expensive enough to get the name that tune uh rights let alone the music rights which Kind of makes me wonder if they actually even bothered to get the rights to the music now that I think about it. Yeah, right. Because there's so <laughs> much music from so many different people. Yeah. And um, one thing about the sound in this game, one thing I thought was a nice touch, is it actually has the incidental music from the game show. Dun, 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 uh-huh. dun, dun. And when I was watching the ep- old episodes of the TV show, I'm like, oh, hey, that's, in, you know, and, and like right before they go, like right after a round. Is over they play that and they're like oh wow that's in the game and they're like oh that's kind of a neat touch but hmm. they have a service mode in this game there's some interesting information there's some interesting things in the service mode like when you first get into it it says please wait and then it comes to the next screen and the first message in the next screen and i don't know if this is permanently programmed in it probably was but uh so <clears throat> sorry test department closed today <laughs> so i thought that was neat interesting but in the next screen you can actually go through all the songs and listen to them the game has 1007 songs 81 different categories wow and 107 bid topics the play buttons will scroll through them and the one player one and player two button will play the song now if they're two different recordings in different keys they will play the different keys so you can go through all of them and, interesting um, The reason why I think that they didn't get the rights to any of these songs, because there is a crapload of Beatles songs in the game. Yeah. There's a lot more than I thought there would be. So that makes me believe that they didn't get the rights for any of these games.
0: Well, I don't know, because back then, when did this game come out again? 1986. 86? Hmm. Because it was. Did Michael Jackson own them then? I don't know if he owned the if he did yet. But I know this much, um, oh yeah, he would have been in control of it then, would he have? Yeah, yeah, he might have been. Something that I was thinking was that I know for a long time, the Beatles didn't have good control of Mm -hmm. their properties, like from say, I'd say, like once their contracts, they had a contract, a 10 year contract that they signed in 1966. And um, once that contract expired in 1976, there were a slew of Beatles compilation albums that came mm-hmm. out because they no longer had that contract. So they no longer had like, control over what songs went out on what albums and all that. And I was thinking that maybe that had some kind of relation to this, but you're probably it probably had to do with Michael Jackson, or
1: maybe they just didn't even try. The thing with this game, the game show... Obviously, TV, they have the money for the rights to yeah. all the music. And a good portion of the music is public domain. But there's a lot of music in the game, in both the TV and the arcade game, that is not public domain. Like I said, there's Steely Dan. There's Frank Sinatra. There's the Beatles. Yeah. I think the Doobie Brothers are in the game. I think so, yeah. There's there's just a ton of music that would have to have been licensed by different companies at that. And so I'm just, like I said, it makes me wonder if they just went ahead without any thought. So that would be interesting to know. And maybe we should try getting in touch with Owen Rubin to see if maybe he could shed some light on that. Oh, man. Owen Rubin has a website,
0: orubin.com. It could be fair use in that, number one, since it's just a like 8-bit or 16-bit chip tune, that only uses a short piece of each song. Maybe they're able to get away with it through fair use.
1: I don't know. Orubin.com. Oh, Rubin. Oh, he has got links to MAME and uh, other emulators and the Java Space Dual Emulator. And yeah, that, that link doesn't work. So we'll see what happens, and we will get back to you if we find anything out. So Indeed. at this point, this is where I ask Sean his impressions of the game. <laughs>
0: I don't do impressions,
1: man. What do you think about the game? What do you game?
0: think I am? Frank Kelly? Oh, okay. What do I think? You know, you hit the nail on the head when you were talking about how this is more like a bar top kind of game. Because that's exactly what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, this belongs in a tavern.
1: I was talking to you yesterday about this uh, episode we're recording now. And I'm like thinking, you know what? I bet this would actually work best as like a a mobile game. I can see that too. So I installed MAME on my phone and I have yet to get around to putting the ah. name that tune uh, ROM on it. But I'm going to check it out because I think that might actually might be a good use for this game.
0: Yeah. I mean, overall, it's, it's an interesting concept. That's, that's uh, all I have to say. It's an interesting concept. It needs
1: uh, better sound.
0: I was okay with the sound, to be yeah. honest with you. I thought, I thought they did a pretty good job for making essentially chip tunes. True. Something I did not like, though, is that for a lot of the songs, they are completely different arrangements, which is mm-hmm. probably why you didn't recognize that Sealy Dan song. Probably, because, you know, whenever I get a Beatles song, especially in bit of notes, I would bid pretty low because please. <laughs> and i would thinking, what the hell song is this? Only three song, the, the three notes. What the hell song is this? And then when I hear the whole thing, it's like, oh, God, that's weird.
1: Oh, I forgot to ask. Where's the first place you've ever seen this game? I have never seen this game. I've never seen it either. Only reason I'm bringing it up is because it's a main curiosity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is one of the big curiosities in MAME, other than the porn games, which less said about those, the better. But um, yet we keep bringing them up. Yeah. But then again, the only thing we bring up about them is the less said, the better. So I guess I guess that all works out. Yeah.
0: But I know where we might be able to find a name that tune arcade game. Oh, Hershey Park. Oh, really? They've got one. Well, I don't know if they still have it or what, but it's listed in uh, Orcade.com, A-U-R-C-A-D-E.com. I've been as,
1: looking for an excuse yeah. to get there because they supposedly have a very good roller coaster collection. Oh. They have a, a newish, uh, uh, I think it's B&M Hypercoaster, maybe it's a Giga Coaster, called Candymonium. See, all of the rides are are candy-themed. candy, uh, candy themed. Really? A- almost all of them. I think one huh. of them is got does have a non-candy theme, but I mean... It's right next to Hershey's Chocolate World, which is a, uh, you can't actually tour the Hershey's factory, but this is kind of like a, a dark ride that takes you through the process of how they make chocolate.
0: Interesting.
1: It's actually a great, it was just a great use for a dark ride. That, well, they probably don't want to
0: give tours because, well, they don't want their trade secrets getting out there,
1: so. That and, you know, contaminated food and all. Well, besides, going on a brewery tour. Those are really fun. Oh, I've but, bought a few hey. of those. Those are nice.
0: Um, uh, and I'm not even really a beer guy <laughs> anyway, but yeah, those are my thoughts. I mean, I did what, one of the reasons that I thought this would make a much better bar game is mm-hmm. it's sparse graphics. There's hardly yeah. anything, The yes. but I did love the piano keyboard and, and the hand. I love that. That's, that was a that's nice a little nice touch. touch. Yes. Yeah.
1: And, um, the arcade is not the proper location for this. This is, yeah, this is a pub bar game. You know what, even an upright in a pub or a bar would be good for this. And it the fact that there's only 1007 songs in the entire game kind of limits its uh, replayability, I think. Yeah. I mean, I've I've played this for a while in several sessions and I've had songs repeat. So, it's just, you know, law of diminishing returns, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah, just for argument's sake, let's see how many how many songs do I have on my thingy here? Um On your thingy? On my uh, thingy, yes. Um oh, oh, 20- you Your phone? I, well, not even my phone, but I just pulled up uh, my iTunes here. Mm-hmm. Twenty-one thousand ninety-six. There you go. Man, that's like five percent of my collection. You
1: know? Yeah. You know, I give kudos to Bally Senti for trying. Oh yeah, but there's uh, there's uh, some flaws, and I think the biggest flaw in this game is the fact that it takes eighteen thousand points to get to the golden medley. Yeah, that, that is kind is of attitude. difficult attitude. to do. Attitude? You, you pretty much have to get every question right in a fast amount of time pretty much yeah and the only way i've ever been able to get to the golden medley is to put the cheats on and that's really yeah i've never been able to do it without the cheats i've gotten close but yeah
0: no it's i found like one thing that i do like about this game though is that it's multiple choice well it has to be multiple choice because then you have you wouldn't have to be wouldn't be able to type it in but you can use process of elimination to your advantage because if you know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, it's not this, this song, this song.
1: And, it, and actually, it's also, especially in the tune topics, they'll give you like the list of songs. Yeah. Well, they'll give you like the list of songs with the title of the song in each, in each field and you just listen to, this is actually best in bit of note, and you listen to the first few notes of the song and you can kind of just parse it out from the, the note structure sometimes as to what the correct song is. Uh, mm-hmm. because of, uh, you know, if you're working with syllables and you put it in through like the, uh, well, it doesn't sound right for this word. If the, the note here goes up, it sounds so it's, I can eliminate that one. And I find that process actually works about 50% of the time, which well, is that's cool. not too bad. Yeah.
0: It put it to you this way. If you, if you only know nineties music and newer, you're going to suck at this oh, game. Oh gosh. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. I would, you know, even by nothing with my limited knowledge of like seventies, eighties stuff, I, Pretty much sucked at it. it. This game, I really, I don't hate it, but no, I don't yeah, love I it either.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm on the same
1: page there. I think I mean, the biggest I, thing for me is that eighteen thousand point yeah requirement. I think you can ch- change it in the dip switches. Hold on, let me look. Oh no no no, it's arcadehistory.com. Whoa whoa! Game history.com takes you to a Chinese uh, sample beauty salon site. Huh. No, I want to arcade dash history dot com okay this is what i want apparently there was a handheld name that tune device in 1980 and there was a Philips cdi game in 1980 1993 but they were probably not based on the arcade game i love how some of these games in arcade history have the actual manuals on here okay uh if you put these are all sw2 sw3 the default is eighteen thousand for bonus round they're both off 21,000 if two is on and three is off. 15,000 if two is off and three is on. And always play the bonus round if two and three are on. Ah, okay. Now, I've got to check that out. Tune Topics. Oh, (laughs) it selected the category, Things You Put in Your Mouth. Ah. And the thing is, the scoring is just like bar trivia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do kind of like the bass sound on the sound chip. Oh no
0: way! Tommy Tedesco was one of the guitar players in the in the band. Tommy Tedesco? Why, oh. Should
1: I know him? You should.
0: Everybody should know Tommy Tedesco. Rest in peace. Uh, he was part of the First Call Gang, also known as the uh, Wrecking Crew.
1: Oh, I've heard of the Wrecking Crew. Yeah, they're like, like he... session musicians.
0: Oh yeah, Hollywood session musicians. I think they, I got he...
1: that from <clears throat> Autobiography of a Schnook. Oh, really? Huh. Okay, your clue: motion, motion picture mel mo- or motion picture melodies. Let's go with five. There's a couple of James Bond themes in the oh, playlist. Wild Ritz
0: knows. too. Didn't know that. Didn't know he was in the in the band. There's a documentary called The Wrecking Crew, and it's made by Denny Tedesco, who was yeah. Tommy
1: Tedesco's son. Okay, my clue: showstoppers. Let's go with five. This is something that we should be probably live streaming. I don't know. I think it works great as a podcast.
0: It would work someone better else if I was actually game.
1: outputting the audio. <laughs> Your clue, 60s top 10. If you go down to one note, it's 900 points. Huh. Yeah, okay, it worked. It worked. I got to the golden medley without having a... Uh, ah. I might as well play it. I'm already here. <laughs> okay, that was the minute waltz. That sounds like a waltz.
0: Throw in three-four time. They're all waltzes.
1: Uh, I got one wrong. Oh, yeah, if you get one wrong in the golden medley, the game's over. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if you go into... Uh, the dip switches in MAME, is it says, unknown. Okay, first of all, you got the service mode. Then you got one that says unknown. If you turn the second unknown and the third unknown on, you don't have to have a uh, a minimum to get into the golden medley. That is a service from Pi Factory Podcast right there, I'm telling you. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So this is actually kind of a neat... I, I love looking at these service manuals, even though they're not... Uh, Oh, here's an interesting dip switch. Number five. Do tell. Number four, first of all, is the the one where the game itself shows the correct answer. Uh, If number four is off, it shows the correct answer. If it's on, does not show the correct answer. Number five, if it's off, it does not reset the available songs. So as long as the game hasn't been turned off, it will not replay a song that's Hmm. already been played unless it's gone through all of them. However, if it's on, it resets all the games for, it for each play. So that's kind of neat. Dip switches one and six. I don't know what that one is, but if di- switch one is off, best three of five wins a round. If it's on, best four of seven wins a round. I think switch six is supposed to be on at all times because it's an XX on those. Uh, and the rest of them are pretty much like, uh, you know, five coins adds three bonus coins, sort of mm-hmm. thing. So. Due to the tremendous amount of data in the game, no self-test is available. Oh, I should have just gone and done the research off of this document. Please be advised that when converting a game, it is advisable that all former trademark and copyright registrations be removed in the conversion process. Parts list and the schematics, and all the fun stuff. If I knew how to read electronics, this would be interesting. Actually, yeah, right. now that I think about it, no, I don't see any sort of copyright information about games in here. So... I was wondering maybe if it had... Let me see. Check my email. Didn't get a uh, rejection from Owen Rubin's email address, so maybe it got through. Hey. Sean. Yes? What are you going to rate this game? You know, I agree with
0: the kudos. I agree with that they tried. And for that, I'm going to give it three continues out of five.
1: That's what my feeling is, too. And I think if you turn those two dip switches on that I mentioned that actually makes the game better. Because it just if you can't make it to the golden medley round, it just does not seem like a full game of Name That Tune. So you turn those on, it, I, I think it's a much better game. So it's a three in its default state, and I would actually probably bump it up a number. If we could go half numbers, I'd do that, but we don't. So if you turn those two switches on, I think it was two and three, uh, bump it up a full another point but i'm going to keep it as a three because that's the default state and that's what we rate the games on sure so yeah i'm glad we covered this game even though we've neither of us have ever seen it in the wild because it was such a i think this is one of the more interesting games we've had to talk about definitely fascinating for sure like i said i didn't know there were so many different incarnations of the game or of the game show and that's i would have loved to see more uh songs made available really this game needed to be released a little bit later in arcade history so that they could have more space for more songs and better music, better sound. But they did good for what they did with it. Yeah. And with that, I think we should move on.
0: Oh, uh, move on to, say, oh, uh, I don't know,
1: Mikey. Hey, Mikey, he likes it.
0: I knew that was coming. Yeah. But no, I'm not talking about Mikey from Life Serial, who, by oh. the way, is still living. Uh Both he and Henry Thomas were accused of dying from ingesting pop rocks and uh, some kind of pop. But no, they're both still alive.
1: Name me a child celebrity who hasn't been accused of that. I've heard of so many different people. But I think Mikey is the most famous one.
0: Of course. But anyway, Mikey the Game was released in 1984 by Konami... And uh, interestingly, now, depending on the source that you wish to use, some sources claim that the game was released on September 27th, 1984, but that was actually the date that it was registered for copyright in the United States. Uh, in uh, North America, Century or Centauri uh, distributed it. What's interesting here, th- this is another game that I found very fascinating uh, for what it is. In Japan, the uh, name of the game is actually Shinyu Shayin Toru-kun, which means freshman or new employee Toru. So I guess Mikey's name is Toru over there, which also, of course, is the first name of Mr. Iwatani, who is the maker of (laughs) Pac-Man. There's also an alternate version in the U.S. called High School Graffiti, Mikey, so, yeah, this is uh, alre- already we're in a fascinating territory here. Mm-hmm. Uh, going into the control panel itself, you got a left-handed four-way joystick, and that uh, the joystick is labeled Hip Zap, and I'll talk about why in a moment. And you have two action buttons on the right.
1: Oh, before we go on, I just pulled this up on Owen Rubin's page about Name That Tune. His final comment is, should have been a bar game. They did not sell <laughs> it correctly, but it was fun. Oh, there So we go. even he agrees with that assessment. <laughs> so, Anyway, continue. Anyway, uh, the, the
0: action buttons, you have a open door slash throw button on the left and a head zap button on the right. And I'll get to uh, that really soon. As for the gameplay, the object of Mikey or Shinyu Shain Torukun or High School Graffiti Mikey, whichever version you play, simply you collect all the hearts In different parts of a high school and every time you collect a heart you earn 200 points now the thing about that is there is a little outline that kind of hops around to the hearts every set period of time and if you collect a heart that has an outline around it you get a thousand points And every time you collect a heart, there's a message at the top of the screen that's revealed letter by letter, and it may be implied that it's from your girlfriend. Uh, There are several different messages that appear at different occasions, like door open, uh, get out, I dig you, um, short messages like that that usually consist of eight letters or fewer. And when the message is fully revealed, an out sign appears over one of the doors in the room, and that signals that you are finished and you should exit into the hallway as soon as possible. Remember how I said that you get a thousand points for collecting an outlined heart? Mm-hmm. Well, if you collect all of the hearts outlined, you get a 5,000 point bonus when you finish the room and the word perfect flashes on the screen. Mm-hmm. There is a method of defense and that method of defense is headbutting your enemies and that's what the head zap button is for. And uh, when you headbutt one of your enemies, that enemy is kind of knocked out of commission for a few seconds. He can go around and do what you got to do. There's one enemy who follows you around throughout almost all the game, and that's your teacher. And uh, the teacher occasionally has to stop and catch his breath while he chases you. But the more you headbutt the teacher, the faster he moves when he recovers. So uh, kind of got to be a little bit sparing when headbutting the teacher, or else you're putting yourself in greater and greater danger. If you headbutt an enemy from the side, you get 400 points, and if you headbutt an enemy from above or below, you get 800 points. I think the reason for that is it's a little bit trickier to headbutt an enemy going up or down because it's harder to gauge the distance. You have to be just the right distance, and headbutting actually takes some time. If you are off by just the smallest fraction of a second, you're liable to lose your life. You can actually headbutt multiple enemies at once.
1: I was wondering about that because I tried that in. Spoiler, I never got out of the first stage without cheating. Yeah. And it just seemed like you have to be pixel perfect on the headbutt in that yep. first stage to get the. to stun the teacher. I find the best strategy for that round is just run around until he tires out.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um, if you manage. I've only headbutted multiple enemies at once, accidentally. If you get two at a time from the side, you get 2,000 points, and if you headbutt uh two enemies at the same time from above or below, you get 3,000 points. If you manage to get three enemies at a time, you get 5,000 points. Now, what I'm going to do is go through the rooms, or I should say parts, because not everything you're going to be in is actually a room inside.
1: It's actually literally called a part in the game. Oh, that's
0: true. It's, or is it? Yeah. I'm pretty sure
1: it is. I was playing it er earlier. So was I.
0: Oh, oh, well. Now, every time you loop through the rounds, it's called a step. So that's kind of why you're going to hear me say step. Step,
1: step. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I mean. Yeah. But anyway, the first step, as they call it, the first room you get is a classroom There are nine desks and you occupy one of them as Mikey. In the first step or loop, as we usually call it, six of the desks have hearts. Uh, Later on, like later steps, later loops, there are actually eight hearts. And to collect a heart, you have to use your hip to nudge your classmate to the left or to the right out of the desk. And that's why the joystick is labeled Hip Zap. (laughs) Once you do successfully nudge one of your classmates out of a desk, that classmate is going to go sit down at another desk. The teacher is going to chase you when you are not seated, and when you sit back down, the teacher is going to go back to the front of the room and resume writing something on the board, which is just simply E equals MC squared, by the way. (laughs) You score points if you bump a student out of a desk, regardless of whether there's a heart by the desk. You score 400, 600, and 800 points respectively for... student in the back row, student in the middle row, student in the front row. Once you collect all the hearts there, you go into the hallway and you move your way into the locker room. Again, this is a different order when you go through later steps, but uh, this is the next thing that happens the first step. In the locker room, the hearts are inside glass jars and lockers and to collect a heart you have to headbutt the jar three times. And in the locker room, you're chased by the teacher and two janitors, if I remember correctly. Scattered throughout the locker room, not only are there benches, but there are also bins that contain basketballs.
1: I loved this touch.
0: Yeah, this is a nice touch. What you do is you, p- you can pick up a basketball and carry it with you. And if you throw it in an enemy, the enemy going to catch it and dribble it and basically distract the enemy momentarily. And you can uh, move around. Of course, uh, you can still headbutt the enemies here as you normally would. Once you collect all the hearts here, you go out into
1: the hallway and you make your way to restaurant. By the way, I don't know. One thing I noticed in this game, I, I, I was looking through the, the dip switches and um, there's a dip switch for secret message. Did you notice this? I did not notice that dip switch, no. And I'm wondering... And I went in the dip switches. On the locker room stage, at the top of the screen, it said, I dig you. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering if that might might be it but i got something no, that, to say the, about i got something to say about the aerobics room so <laughs> a dance studio i should say rather yeah
0: the i dig you is the message that shows up when you clear the hearts and that's uh, on the okay. uh, in the uh locker room but uh, you go into the restaurants, and there, I believe you have three chefs plus the teacher, and one of the chefs just stays up at the front of the restaurant and just kind of mans things, if you will. And uh, you have to collect hearts off of the floor while you navigate your way around five tables. And the tables have some kind of a food item, like cakes or roasts or something, mm-hmm. and you can pick them up and throw them at the chef's. Gee, kind of like food fight. <laughs> It's kind of like in the locker room where they'll just kind of hold on to it for a few seconds and they're distracted. And there is one heart that's in a container on a table and you have to headbutt that container three times to collect it. In later steps, there are actually two hearts in containers. The chef that remains up at the front of the restaurant will periodically throw food in your direction. And if you get hit with food, you lose life. And I forgot to mention, by the way, in the classroom scene... Uh, if you are in the classroom for too long, the teacher's going to start throwing books at you, even if you're sitting down. So you got to dodge those. Oh, also another thing about the classroom, in later steps, once you enter the classroom, the students throw stuff at you, and you have to move to the left immediately. Yeah, I you noticed that. Hit. And they also throw stuff at you as soon as you get up to leave when you're done. So you got to keep hightailing out of the classroom. And uh you'll know you survived if you barely made it out. (laughs) But um, yeah, going back to the uh, other parts of the school, next is the dance studio. Once again, you have hearts scattered around the floor and you have to pick them up while you're avoiding dance students and they're working out choreography to twist and shout. If a dance student touches you, you will be frozen in place. You'll be stunned for a few seconds and unable to move. But you'll get a hundred points.
1: Did you notice? Did you notice that the instructor in the aerobics room looked like Lois Griffin? For that King is in the my Hill? notes. That is in your notes. Okay. that is in my notes. And yes. I enjoyed the addition of the song "Twist and Shout" on this level. It yeah. just seems so apropos. Yeah. And uh, by the way, you do not want
0: to touch Lois Griffin because you'll lose a life. You can headbutt her though.
1: But you cannot
0: headbutt the students. At least I wasn't able to. And the teacher is going to follow you around the dance, like your homeroom teacher. That is not the dance instructor but your teacher will follow you into the dance studio and try to catch you. And your homeroom teacher is invulnerable to the dancers. So yeah, only you are vulnerable to the dancers. The last part of every step is the schoolyard. And uh, this is the only part of the school where your teacher does not follow you. It's really more of a courtyard than anything else. Uh, there are two benches at the bottom of the screen, and then there are four planters that are kind of loaded with flowers are in the middle of the screen And there are three football players, American football players, I should say. uh, Or Canadian, actually. They could be using Canadian rules football. I don't know. But definitely not, say, association football, better known as soccer. But these football players are kind of running around the yard, but they will follow you. And if uh, they get to you, you will lose a life. You can headbutt them for your own self-defense, but you have to collect all the hearts. And uh, I found that this is actually the easiest part. Of the whole step, hmm. I don't. I don't know why it was just easy. I usually don't have to headbutt anybody, but when you collect all the hearts, you go to the front of the yard where there's uh, a cheerleader who I suppose is your girlfriend at waiting for you, and you walk over to her. She plants a kiss on you, and then a red convertible comes up, and you to and you and the cheerleader drive away in it, and that's the end of the step, and it starts all over again. Yeah. Now, one thing I didn't talk about yet, though, was what happens in the hallway between each of these rooms and the schoolyard. Hmm. Every time you complete a task inside of one of the rooms, not the schoolyard, though, but one of the rooms, you end up in the hallway. Doesn't matter which door, by the way, that you leave out. There is uh, Most of these rooms have two, if not all of them, have two doors. Uh, the out sign will appear on one of them. You can actually leave through either one of them and you'll be safe.
1: You know, I always thought that, the occasion when I got to the hallway sequence, uh, it kind of reminded me of the game Lost Tomb because you would be in a room and then you would have to go into a hallway to get down to another room. And I kind of had that thought about that.
0: I have not played Lost Tomb since we uh, did it for episode nine. (laughs) I need to refresh my memory next time I'm at the Retrocade. But anyway, when you are in the hallway, the teacher will follow you out into the hallway and there'll be a janitor out there and either one of them can uh, cause you to lose a life. So be prepared to dodge them and do a headbutt. Mm -hmm. You may see a lunchbox or two decorated like an American flag. If you pick up the lunchbox, Mm -hmm. you get a thousand point bonus. Now, here's something I don't really know what it was, but uh, sometimes there's a red can or something that gets thrown across the floor. And if it hits you, you lose a life. I don't know what that thing's supposed to be, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's stick of, well, if it's dynamite, it doesn't blow up. I, I don't know what it's supposed to be. I don't know why it's there, but basically avoid that sucker. <laughs> You'll know which room you're supposed to go to because uh, there will be a uh, sign above it that says in. And you use the, um, the button on the left. Oh, what the heck a button is that? Uh, you use the uh, open door button to open the doors. In fact, you have to do that to exit a room that you're in. Uh, hit the uh, open door button. In the hallway, you can actually open doors that you're not going to go into, and you may encounter one of three things. Either a gorilla foot will kick you, a boxing glove will punch you in the face, and if either one of those happens, you get stunned for a few seconds, which gives uh, the janitor and the teacher an opportunity to catch you. Uh, If you open the door and there's a sexy girl behind the door, you get a 5,000 point bonus. So it's definitely worth opening doors if you're not too close to a enemy. Something
1: I noticed on that screen, if you go down the stairs, between the stairs and the wall, like if you're on the right side, you go down the stairs to the right of the stairs, or if the stairs are on the left, you know, to the left, there's like a little like air vent thing behind it. Those yeah. act as doors also. Oh, really? And those hide things as well. I, I was playing today, and I'm like, you know what, I wonder if this does anything. And well, you can either get a bonus or you can either get kicked, so... Really? Okay. Yeah. What kind of bonus? Or is it just the it's, same? It's, it's the same stuff. Oh, but okay. those are additional places to look for bonuses.
0: No, because one of the sources I was looking at said that you get a, a thousand point bonus for a Coke or a hamburger. But I don't remember ever encountering either. And I've played through several steps. I've seen a Coke. Really? Okay. Yes, Where?
1: I, uh, is that it in might the hallway? Have, that, mm, I think it was behind a door.
0: Huh. Okay. Actually, huh. It
1: almost sounds like I played this game.
0: but i i don't know Uh, oh there's also something else you can do in the hallway you can slam a door in an enemy's face and get a 600 point bonus
1: oh really i didn't notice that
0: yeah i was able to slam the door in the teacher once you have to have like perfect timing to do it in fact most of this game you have to have perfect timing to do everything and uh i talked about scoring as i was going through there are some other things you can score uh the fewer things that you throw in the restaurant and the locker room, the bigger a bonus you get at the end of that round. Hmm. If you throw all nine objects that are on screen, you don't get a bonus. If you throw between five and eight throwables, you get a 200-point bonus. If you throw three or four things, you get a 1,000 points. If you throw two things, you get 2,000 points. If you throw just one thing, you get 3,000 points. But if you make it through those screens without throwing anything, you get a 5,000-point bonus. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, that was the additional scoring that I wanted to talk about. Now here's the crazy thing about Mikey. I didn't. I thought this was a really obscure game, so mm-hmm. there wouldn't be much to learn about it. Mm-hmm. But man, I'm surprised that that there are three different versions of this. Uh, like high school graffiti, Mikey. That one apparently came about because somebody thought that a high school student should not headbutt his elders. Okay. No, I'm married to a high school teacher and I've never once heard her say that. Hmm. So, hmm. I don't know. For High School Graffiti Mikey, they replace the headbutting with yelling. And if you hit the head zap button, you're going to see like little shout lines come from Mikey's mouth. Here's the thing though, the yelling does nothing to the teacher. So, you are really? you have no defense against the teacher other than to run away from him.
1: The headbutting thing doesn't really work well in the first place, so it does I mean, it,
0: once you figure out how to do it. You have to be perfectly in line. Well,
1: that's just the thing, yeah. The yelling works on the other enemies,
0: just not, the, just not your teacher. So the only defense you have is to throw something at him in the restaurant or in the locker room. Also, I mentioned earlier how in the front of the classroom there's a blackboard that just says E equals MC squared. And the high school graffiti Mikey, the phrase failure teaches success, is on the blackboard. Mm-hmm. Also Ooh. different is in the high school graffiti variation, in the locker room, instead of one heart being encased in a glass jar that you have to hit three times, you actually have just a group of three hearts, and every time you headbutt it, or yell at it, I guess, you collect one of the three hearts and I actually like the three heart model a little bit better than the glass jar thing because it's mm-hmm. easier to keep track of. The graphics on the glass jars are a little bit hard to tell whether or not you've hit the thing three times already. Yeah. Mm, I've noticed that. Also, the dance studio in High School Graffiti Mikey is called The Gym. The restaurant is called The Caffeine. No, the restaurant is called The Canteen. Uh, caffeine. and when you finish a step, you and the cheerleader don't drive off in a convertible. It just ends when the cheerleader kisses you. Oh, really? And there's a different death animation. Uh, in the high school graffiti Mikey, the death animation, well, apparently it's supposed to be Mikey sobbing in a contrite manner, but it looks more like he's headbanging or something. Mm-hmm. Um, There is something I have to say about that, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. Why it's called High School Graffiti, Mikey, I have no freaking clue. There's nothing graffiti at all in the game whatsoever. Now, the Japanese version, again called Shinnyu Shain Toru-kun, it looks like they were trying to set the game in some kind of an office or some kind of workplace instead of a classroom. Now, Mikey is a blonde kid wearing like yellow pants and a t-shirt, but in the Japanese version, he's a redhead and he's wearing a business suit the teacher isn't really in this version but instead it's somebody who looks more like he's supposed to be a boss he's wearing a short sleeve white shirt with a tie and he's a little bit pudgy uh still functions the same way though the classroom is now called the office room the schoolyard is called the garden and instead of football players it looks more like you're being chased by gardeners or something Now, in the Mikey version of the game, your reserve lives are represented by U.S. flags for whatever reason. I guess because they want you to remember it's American. America! But in the Japanese version, the reserve lives are represented by business suits.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: It's definitely worth checking out all three variations in your little meme setup. Like, one is called Mikey K, one is called Mikey J, another is called uh, uh, Mikey HS, I think, and then the other one's called Mikey Here's some trivia for you. This might kind of answer your question about a secret message. Yeah. Because there is a potentially early version of the Konami code in this game. Really? Supposedly in the screen like when you're in attract mode, the screen that's after the title screen, but before the actual game demonstration in the classroom, mm-hmm. you're, there's a little scene that kind of shows you how the mechanics work. In that little scene, when Mikey sits on a chair, you're supposed to hold player one up and player two down, and then press player one start four times. The resulting message is, this software is an original product of Konami. Now, here's the thing. That little thing I learned, i was that's all I could find out about it. I don't think that's going to be possible on an American version of the game because there's only one set of controls. So I don't know how you would press player one up and player two down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you, might ha- you might have to do that. It, it, might, it might be that the Japanese version has a separate set of controls for each player and you might be able to do it in MAME. I was not able to get that message in MAME, but what you said about that dip switch setting might be why you might need to enable that. Ah, that could be. There are some home versions of Mikey. Uh, There's the Commodore 64 version. Um, I did not play that personally, but I watched some videos of it on YouTube, and it's really good. And uh, the Commodore 64 version is the high school graffiti variation, although I think you can still headbutt the teacher successfully or yell at the teacher or whatever. And the death animation that's supposed to look like Mikey crying actually does look like Mikey crying on there. Um, there's also a uh, version for the Acorn Electron, the Amstrad CPC, the ZX spe- <clears throat> ZX Spectrum, the BBC Micro, and in Japan only, uh, going under the Japanese title of Shinyu Shain Torukun, mm-hmm. the Sega Master System. Now, here's something else that I found fascinating. Also in Japan only, the game is available or was available on the SG-1000. Now, here's yes. something you I learned. I think
1: I, have, I think I have that on my Master System uh, flash cart. Ah, well, there, there you go. So they translated a lot of the SG-1000 games to work on the Master System.
0: Oh, yeah. Speaking of the Japanese version of uh, one, th- one other thing I forgot to mention because it's not in my notes. The Japanese version of the game that's supposed to take place in a workplace instead mm-hmm. of a classroom or whatever. Uh, the blackboard is replaced with a whiteboard and it has some uh, Japanese writing on it that I was not able to make out because I don't read kanji very well translation. I don't read kanji at all mm-hmm. <laughs> and Google translate wasn't able to do anything for me in that regard. But regarding that SG-1000 version, Team Pixelboy ported that to the ColecoVision. I only found out about that last night. It was released just this past February, 2021. 60 copies were made. They're sold out of it. They are planning a reissue of it with an arcade cabinet-style outer box. So I just might have to get that. I just might have to. Nice. Uh, Jimmy G, uh, tell me your thoughts on Mikey or Shinu Shain Toru Kun, or uh, High School Graffiti Mikey.
1: I really want to like this game. <laughs> I've played it years ago when you know I first started getting into emulation. I would play it here and there every now and then, mm-hmm. and I was playing it some more today. And the game looks interesting. It's got a variety of different levels. I mean, while the objects yeah. the same, completing the the while while well, well, completing the rooms are the same. There's different like ways to. Each one has a different way to do it, like you got to knock someone out of the seat, you got to bash gl- uh, jars open, that sort of thing. But I cannot get past that first screen. I just can't <laughs> do it. Even with uh, running around a while to make the, uh, the guy uh, tire out, I just can't do it because I can't get the mechanic down of headbutting the guy. This seems like it could be a really fun game if I could figure out that first level. Yeah, it took me a freaking long time. I was
0: actually considering not even trying to play anymore, just go completely off of uh, YouTube. But obviously, that's not what happened. Um, But the mechanic is really difficult. What really pisses me off about the game, though, is that when you lose a life, your heart count resets. You don't pick up where you left off.
1: Yes. Oh, I hate that.
0: The game would have been so much better. It, w- it would have been so much more fun if it would let you pick up where you belong. Now, having said that, I tried a couple of more rounds. I, What I did was I used save states to get through it. And uh, once I finally figured out the timing and everything, I went back and played. Uh, I played The standard American version of Mikey, and I couldn't get past the locker room. Mm -hmm. I played the Japanese version and was able to get to the restaurant. So, uh, this is definitely a game that requires a crap ton of practice. Uh, If I were to encounter this game as a nine year old in 1983, well, of course, it wasn't out in 1983, but if I were able to, if I had encountered this game while it was out during that time when. My arcade allowance at Aladdin's Castle at Lincoln Mall was a dollar. Man, I I never would have learned this game. I Mm -hmm. never would have learned Mikey at all because I I would not have survived. The first few times I played it as an adult, I ended up with a score of zero because it was just that freaking hard. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's. I really want to like this game. I really do. I want to. Let me rephrase that. I really want to like it more than I do. Yeah.
0: Because the thing is, it is a weird game.
1: Yeah. Oh, it is. In a good way.
0: It's weird in a good way. Mm-hmm. It's, you, you're never going to see... What other game, what other arcade game takes place in a high school? If there is one, please let us know, at piefactoryatfav4it.com.
1: Now I'm or trying we... to think if there is one. Yeah. The Simpsons. No, that doesn't take place in the school.
0: Okay, where are the main setting, at least, I should say.
1: No, Principal Skinner's in the game. No, it doesn't take place in the school. Uh um, yeah, I haven't played I haven't played the
0: Simpsons game since we covered it on this podcast way not back in the Wasn't there a Welcome Back Cotter arcade game? <laughs> I'd play that. <laughs> there was a board game, but I don't know about the I can't think of one.
1: Yeah. I mean that's it's just so off. There's uh, so gotta just- be one. There's gotta be one. <laughs> there has to be. Uh now thanks, Now, I'm not gonna sleep tonight now. Until I get to the so, bottom of this quandary. Of course. But anyway, uh, Jimmy G, where
0: did you first see Andor play this uh, wonderful game?
1: Well, Mikey? I first played it in Maine, but uh, I believe not too long ago, uh, uh, Gallop and Ghost uh, got it.
0: Yeah, in fact, that's where I first played it. Uh, we it was uh, actually the day we got together with the guys from Tenpence in December 2018. Mm. I played it that day. That's right,
1: and I, I did not play it there.
0: I noticed something really strange, and uh, we're going to talk about that uh, later on in this episode. But while I have the floor, I'm going to talk about the high scores. You'll notice that we didn't talk... Can I have the ceiling? Yes, please do. Oh,
1: awesome. I've always wanted a ceiling.
0: And uh, the rest of you listeners, uh, you may have all the walls in between. But you may notice we didn't talk about high scores for Name That Tune simply because there's no entry for it on Twin Galaxies. And Orcade.com did not have any scores tracked for it. So, I was wondering. Now, quite the opposite for Mikey. Orcade.com shows that Andrew Ivasco, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, uh, scored 718,300 points on Mikey on July 15, 2019. And uh, going over to the Twin Galaxies, Luca Santorsola scored 788,600 on May 10, 1985. Now, here's something interesting I found when I was looking up these scores. The number two spot on Twin Galaxies, at least as it shows now, is from August 28th, 1984. Oh, wow. Which, um, if you go back to what we said before, the game wasn't even registered for copyright in this country until September 27th. So, either the score is bogus, or the date is bogus, or you know, or all the research is incorrect, but hey, there's just something not quite right there. And that kind of explains why there are a lot of people who felt that Twin Galaxies should just wipe out all their records and just start fresh, Mm -hmm. because it has a lot of questionable uh, records in there. Yeah, it definitely does. I don't want to take any side in that particular argument. That's a really heated debate right there.
1: Yeah, it definitely is. But anyway,
0: (laughs) my rating for Mikey... I know this sounds like such a cop-out, but I'm going to say three out of five continues. This would have easily, easily been a four for me if it weren't so damn effing difficult. Like if you were allowed to resume your heart count Mm -hmm. after losing life. Just that alone easily would have made this a four for me.
1: And if you could headbutt the uh, enemies easier, would make it a four for me also. I'm going with a three as well. Yeah. But is I'll this tell you, the, once you figure first, it out. Is this the first episode where we've gone all th- No, it isn't. The no. uh, Our Annoy Tenpence episode, we were all threes. And then our <laughs> Willow and Dragon Spirit episode. So we've done all threes before. Yeah.
0: And by the way, um, speaking of Galloping Ghost, I'm not sure. I don't remember off the top of my head which version of Mikey they had, whether it was just regular Mikey or I th- um, think high it's, school.
1: I think it's regular.
0: Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I think all the American marquees actually say High School Graffiti Mikey, mm-hmm. but I think you, the only way of telling is actually in the game itself. Like, it'll say on the screen, High School Graffiti Mikey, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I think it's the regular Mikey myself that they have over there, but I could be wrong. So, so anything else we need to say about this this Mikey game?
1: No, I don't think so. I think we uh, pretty much covered it.
0: Okay, well then, hey, um, allow myself to thank uh, some people who've uh, helped us out here over the Patreons, and it's because of them that we were able to uh, uh, get our statistics going so we can see just how the heck we're doing uh, in the world with number of listeners, and those people are Richard Valdez, thank you, Timmy Mack, Tim Foley, Underground Retrocade, New Balance Stores, Phoenix... PJ Steele, D. Alex, Kurt Musgrave, Nate Lockhart, Mike Hat NJ, Christian Williams, Air Shack, Atari Bites, Keith Sheehan, Lance Endries, Rory Coleman, Richard Grounds, Daniel Chavez, Kyle Etter, Art Guglielmo, Mark Super, the Super NES Podcast and Steve Steiner, thank you all so much.
1: I just realized we didn't get an email from Eugenio.
0: Yeah, I thought about that earlier, but hey. and Probably I had an idea, if,
1: and I had an idea for a theme song for him too. Oh, really? There's a doc who's been on my mind all the time, you Eugenio. Oh. oh. <laughs>
0: Okay, I tried. Oh, you, you would. You would. I tried. I, can,
1: can we have a theme
0: for him? Because I think Ferg already has yeah, that no, covered. I don't, I don't we, do we don't that. want to step on yeah, his territory. No, we don't either. need to
1: give anybody themes. Unless except you for give this us, episode. Except for this episode. Unless you give us a huge donation, we'll do anything oh, for money.
0: that's true. That's true. PayPal us some, you know?
1: Hell, we'll be even to build a new interstate bridge into Memphis.
0: Anyway, speaking of theme, um, who, should resume, who should reveal the theme for this episode?
1: I'll do that. All right. And... Uh, <clears throat> These are games that have songs by the Beatles in them. Specifically. Hard Day's Night. Hard Day's Night is in both.
0: Yes. And supposedly, for Mikey, they actually had permission granted by Jazz Rack in Japan. Uh, And Jazz Rack... Is um, the Japanese Society for Rights of Authors, Composers, and Publishers. They got the uh, rights from that organization for both The Hard Day's Night and Twist and Shout. Nice. And supposedly, that license is displayed on the PCB. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's nice. I don't have access to a PCB, so I can't personally uh, verify that.
1: You know what? I think this is the most interesting theme we've had in quite some time. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, when, I, when I first played this at Galloping Ghost, I was like, something familiar about that song.
1: I know. Wait, that's oh, always the same thing. T- <laughs> the very first time I played this at MAME, I was the same way. <laughs> It's like how'd they do that? So they got Hard Day's Night in it. They also have Twist and Shout in it. What well, did they have any other songs of note or were the others just original compositions? I don't
0: I didn't recognize any of the other songs. Okay, just those each two. room has its own song. But yeah, I only recognize those two. Uh but you yeah, know it was what? weird.
1: Thinking about it, you were saying yeah, that in one version of the game takes place in an office, and Hard Day's Night would fit in perfect with that. That's it doesn't true. it doesn't work in the school theme, but it works in the office theme.
0: Huh. So, interesting. Oh wow! So maybe the office version was the original concept, and the I high school. I wonder. V- oh, huh. So interesting. That's fa- oh, it makes, good observation. There, it, it Makes
1: there, a James. lot of sense. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe I actually said something that makes a lot of sense. <laughs>
0: Hey, yeah, you heard it here first, folks, on Pie Factory Podcast, episode 122. And yeah, oh, by the way, a fun fact, uh, we were talking about the rights to the Beatles music, like the whole Michael Jackson thing. That was publishing rights, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to rights to use the uh, the actual recording. Mm-hmm. And just to give you an idea of how much it supposedly costs to use an actual recording, there was an episode of Mad Men in which, uh, what's his name? Oh, uh, oh. Uh, Bob. Why, why, Weiner, the creator of Mad Men, or the person in charge of Mad Men, he licensed Tomorrow Never Knows for one of the episodes. He would not say how much it cost him, but the word from other people on the set who heard is that it cost him a quarter of a million dollars to use That's that insane. one song. Yeah. That's insane. He felt it was worth it, though.
1: And very, You know, very little of that money went to the artists.
0: Yeah. Because yeah, we know, we know that Paul McCartney is really hurting for money these days. So well, yeah. true, but you know, take up I a mean, collection for him.
1: But still, I think the artists deserve more money than the the suits.
0: Just because ask David Crosby what he thinks about streaming. Tell.
1: Anyway, anyway, so that's it. That's it. We are for the next episode, though. Yes, yes. Do tell. we're going to talk about Toy Pop and Bubble Bubble. Yes, we're Bubble revisiting Bubble. Bub and Bob again, if you remember, yes. all the way back from our Bust a Move episode. Oh, I and love so, the
0: music from there, from Bust a Move. Oh so, so It's stri-
1: so awesome how we uh, talk about games in the uh, orders in which they were released. Exactly. We t- all, <laughs> it's, it's almost kind of a theme that we talk about the sequels to games first. Dude, the
0: very last game we should cover in our very last episode should be Computer Space.
1: <laughs> that would be great. And I actually know where there's a machine. I oh, yeah, that's right. I don't know if it's operational, though. <laughs> that's at the Arcade Museum down south of Bloomington in... Uh, it's either McLean or Atlanta, Illinois. McLean. Anyway. So, so why a- don't we end this episode? Yay, I'm going to wash my hands of this episode.
0: Ah. So, So once again, from Pie Factory Headquarters North, this is the charming and
1: delightful Sean, and... from the pie factory logistics center south this is snot nose little jimmy
0: and auntie's municipal court
1: support your local arcade and hide why don't you tell our listeners what parting gifts we have for them tonight Contestantfully seen, come out carburetor finger by Penn Help keep your car free from slow starts, bucking and stalling. Come out carburetor finger, the between 2 ups tune up. Or a twenty two piece master mechanics, multi drive socket set, two value hardware stores, with combined value and personal service in over five thousand locations. Or new formula for a team. Spotted whitening system gets colors brighter and bigger, deleting all fabric bleach and improves stains better too. Or a supply of fara shampoo, free rinse conditioner and hairspray with vitamins, minerals, proteins, and herbs by Faber This episode of the Pie Factory. Podcast was edited and produced by Hyde Saint Pierre. Opening theme is the Happy L, composed by Sean Courtney. Love theme from Addenda and Errata was composed by Jim Goble. Follow the Pie Factory Podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on PieFactoryPodcast.com. Support the show at Patreon.com/slash/PieFactoryPodcast. George Goble, Ernest Borgnine, Dottie West, Paul Williams, David Letterman, Elke Sommer, Bonnie Franklin, and John Biner play it for laughs and big prizes on the new season premiere of the Hollywood Squares, Monday night at 7.30. Now stay tuned as feathers fly as an international cooking contest turns into a gigantic food fight on Fantasy Island, next on ABC.
0: This is another game that I found very fascinating uh, for what it is. Uh, Excuse me. That was fascinating for what it is.